Hello and welcome to Where's Shaz, the podcast. I'm Shaz Ahmed and my mission is to empower, educate and inspire you with stories, knowledge and guests in the world of property, finance and business. So let's go. So my guest today uh, is a property sourcer, prolific networker, digital nomad, podcaster, and so much more. Leon Gorman, welcome to the podcast. Very kind intro. Welcome. Thank you very much. I've been excited to come on this one, Shaz. No, no, thank you, man. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why I thought you, Libby might be with you, but it's just you, right? It's just me. Yeah, Libby is with me shoulder to shoulder uh, through most things. Uh, but <laughs> on more so on the, on the podcast and, and networking, it's definitely more so me. You're the you're the face. She's she's the engine, I guess. Um, For sure, <laughs> Leon. So before we get into it, the first thing I ask all my guests to to really share uh, is their mission statement. So why do you do what you do? Okay, would have loved the uh, preparation on that one, um, <laughs> but my mi- mission statement, I guess, would come down to my why and why am I working so hard? Why am I putting the graft in and why am I taking all these risks? Uh, my mission statement is to essentially become free. Uh, and that's in all, all aspects, be financially free, uh, location free and time free. Those are the kind of things that I want to pick up and definitely go dive way deeper into like the, the deeper reasons why I've picked up those. But each each have their own reasons of why they're important to me. And now I'm completely focused on, first of all, the financial side, because I believe that the financials will bring the time. And as long as you play it right, you can get the location off the back of that, too. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because I know recently you've you've done the whole in you know location independent side of things as well, which which we'll come on to as well. So Leon, before property, you know, before the social media side and the brand and, and you know, property engineer, what we what were you actually doing? What was I doing? Um I mean, let's go back a little bit, let's say seventeen ish, uh, when I first started getting proper jobs you know like full-time jobs um i actually became a spanish tapas chef um i worked in a place called bar 44 they've got about four branches across wales and england now which it's Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing it's a little shout out for them really nice tapas learn how to cook whilst i was deciding what i wanted to do in my life um i wanted to make money um to be honest that was a, a big driver for me my school pushed most pupils into the university route I didn't typically want to go because it meant that I would need to wait another three or four years to make any money. And I wanted money then, especially because I had the exposure of a a decent paying full-time job. I was like, this is fun. Um, At the time too, I used to spend every penny I made, which just made my life even more exciting because I go on holidays all the time. You know, I buy nice clothes, take Libby out for food. Um, A lot's changed (laughs) since then. Um, I scaled back my my spending and, and got a little bit smarter with it. Um, but I actually wanted to become an aerospace engineer. I heard they made a lot of money, uh, and I liked engineering as such, right? So it's kind of exciting to me. And I was like, okay, we'll we'll go down that route. I tried to uh, get a apprenticeship because like I said, I didn't want to go down the uni route, spoke to a few people, didn't really know what I was doing, didn't really know anyone in the space. So I didn't really have any like ins. Um, so I just applied online, you know, went through all the normal stuff and my God, I wish I knew what I 
uh, what I know now when I was applying because my applications are rubbish. You know, I remember turning up Shaz to one of the the interviews, or it was like a test day before the interviews, and I turned up in like trainers t-shirt and trousers, and I just thought it's just a it's just a training uh, day. You know, everyone's fucking wearing suits, and I'm like, yeah. oh no. Uh, <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, and but um. None, none of the apprenticeships worked out sadly which which was getting to me at the time because i was like you know that was my way of getting some money and having a decent career so that pushed me to university i still wanted to do aerospace engineering because i was fairly committed by that point so i said like, okay next step i'm gonna have to go to uni um and yeah uni uni was uni was good man i, I really did enjoy it and not just for the party side but uni gave me an opportunity away from home to create a life and find out almost who I actually want to be and what I want to do. It gave me so much time freedom that I could choose what I want to do all the time. Although I obviously had a degree on top, it gave me the chance to do self-development. And that's where I first learned about it. And as you know, like once you start reading books about self-development, it leads you down a long rabbit hole. Um, and that's brought me yeah. to, to where, where I am now, really. <laughs> <laughs> It, it does become a massive rabbit hole. Sometimes you've got to stop and actually apply some things. Um, Leon, where do you study? What uni were you in? I was in University of West of England, so UWE. Oh, UWE. Okay, cool. I was in, I went to uh, Glamorgan Uni. Not as good, but we used to hear about UWE all the time. Oh, yeah? Um, were we competition? Or? I think, yeah, I think there was a competitive thing between between universities and UWE was one of those. We're within that catchment area, isn't it? Nice, nice, yeah. Okay, and then I, I first came across you, I think, in terms of just knowing who you are, probably through like the 5am club and that kind of thing, because I think you were you were offering people free Nando's, I think is what you were doing. You were like, look, I'm happy to sit down with anyone, let's go for Nando's, I'll pay. And we were going to do it, and then it didn't happen. But why, why property then? So, you know, you, did, you had the engineering side of things, and it was something you were interested in, so why, why property? So property, again, was a financial-driven decision like aerospace engineering but i i took a placement year would it be my third year of university uh, that gave me an insight into the working world of what i would be doing in the future i worked for general electric in a big aviation um, overhaul plant and it gave me a great insight into corporations and management structures and like insane levels of corporate life because i just seen all the corporate structures i seen how everything was running so for, first of all i actually really enjoyed it loved that job worked more hours than i needed to kind of thing like i just really wanted to learn as much as possible it was very exciting they actually kind of lied to me a little bit in terms of what job i was getting i applied for like a design engineering role and i ended up getting a manufacturing engineering role that actually transpired to be a project management role so i didn't find that out until like three weeks in and i was like what's actually my job title here because this seems like i'm not doing any engineering um but nevertheless i actually really enjoyed it went and paid a load of extra money outside of it to pick up some project management qualifications because i thought okay that's where i'm going to go in the future and i'd say probably like six months into it i found out more and more about personal finances uh, more about how to get rich basically you know to, to keep it simple how am i going to make lots of money and i looked at my managers and i looked at my managers managers and i thought you know i like i would like to be there i, I admire like admire these guys are doing well but they weren't on nowhere near as much salary as i wanted and they had no freedom whatsoever you know, they were working their absolute ass off 24-7 on call for like 40k a year. And I was like, if they've worked 10 years to get to that point, 
there's got to be a different way to do this, especially because all the podcasts I'm listening to, they're saying completely different things. So property quickly comes into the question when you're talking about money and investing. It's just like, yeah, everyone gets rich through property. I don't entirely believe that, but it gives you an idea, especially when you're young like and a bit naive and to think, okay, that's the way I'm going to go. So I took that really and I, I do implement the stuff I learn and go chase it a little bit more. I do get quite obsessed um, with the podcast, so binge, binge as much information as possible, jump on the networking. I did get very fortunate, Shaz, that I joined the 5am club. I got very lucky with how I managed to get in there, seeming I had no business experience, no property experience, absolutely no knowledge of anything. Um, but I was just so happened that Jack Ludlow spoke to one of my mates who worked at a bar in Ivy in Cardiff and said, Hey, we're about to do this kind of thing. Do you want to get involved? And my mate messaged me because he knew I was into this kind of thing. And I stuck with it. Like it's just it's so bizarre. When I joined, there was like 30 people and everyone was like business people, you know, stuff like, like where you guys are you know so I, I got really lucky to have an insight into what i would say is the real business world the social media kind of side like a bit different to the stereotypical seem in my circles especially my immediate circles they're not like that you know i really don't have access to that sort of information so just to fast forward because i can hear i'm waffling a little bit here um Towards my last year of uni, I became a Latin agent, did about 20 hours a week part-time whilst I was doing my degree, messaged someone from the 5am club, asked them for a job because they were heavily involved in property and they were doing great things, managed to get a job from them as a property sourcer um, on the purchase side of things. Now, I didn't have a Scooby-Doo what I was doing and (laughs) the person who hired me didn't necessarily have enough time to teach me. So they were kind of letting me go and self-teach myself and just try to work it out as as we go, which was a fantastic opportunity for me because I got to learn on someone else's time um, whilst getting paid and and still had the side time to go and build my personal brand and, and slowly start to acquire investors. So I got quite lucky there. The plan was always to exit that company and do it myself. And I made the employer aware of that. It wasn't any deviousness about it. Um, and it just so happened that the company I'm working for started coming into financial difficulties and the time in which that I was planning to leave just became a lot sooner and, and it was a bit of a catalyst to jump earlier um, and there I am that that's me becoming a sourcer essentially sure now um there's a few points I want to cover and I think a lot of these are all intertwined so networking branding social media I think they, they're intertwined but if we just segment them a little bit um I want to talk to you firstly on about about networking uh, one thing I've noticed about you I notice everything about everyone, by the way. But one thing I noticed about you is you're definitely not afraid to to put your hand up or put yourself forward or ask a question. So I, I noticed, I think, oh, maybe one of the pin events, you know, they're like, any questions, you straight put your hand up. I believe Steve's event over the weekend, which I wasn't at, but I, I believe, you know, you put your hand up for something. Where does that come from? Because a lot of people, they might be good at networking, but they're just reluctant to be the focus and everyone's suddenly listening to you asking your question, which better be good because otherwise you just wasted 20 seconds of his time yeah that's a good point i mean i'll try and split that into two answers the first part is like why would i do that just it is a bit strange i just kind of built into my body now that when someone offers an opportunity to be involved in something that i will i know that will benefit me i kind of have a reaction to that and just have to put my hand up i was i i happened first 
where did it happen? I think it happened at one of the pins or something like that. And someone wanted, uh, you know, someone to say something. And I was like, oh, oh my God, it was me. Um, you know, even the 22nd pitches were hard and pin at the beginning. So it's definitely not been here um, since the beginning. But for example, at Steve's event, as soon as he said, does anyone want the opportunity to come up here on stage? My hand went up. And not because I'm like, I look back at it, I think it's not because I'm big headed and want to tell everyone my story. It's because I just want an opportunity to go and speak on the stage to push myself out of my comfort zone and like my hand goes up before my brain can think and my brain then goes oh my god why have you done that now we have to come up with something to say um then the reason i do it is because i know the benefits that come from it and i know that i think it really stemmed from mainly the 5am club being around this area of, of networking or so is that when you ask questions, you get recognized and providing that they're yeah fairly intelligent questions, it will help you stand out from other people. And if you want to scale fast or you want to do something, you can't just blend in with the crowd. You do have to show your face. You know, you do have to stand out a bit. And then the second part it's just I've always been a really curious person. I've always been, I always ask questions to everyone all the time. I'm just so damn interested in people's lives, people's businesses, how things operate. I guess it's kind of my engineering background of just I want to know how things work. So it's coming up with the questions is not hard for me. I'm sitting in a room and I'm constantly like, they say something and something comes to my head goes, oh, what about that? You know, what about this? What about that? And then I'm trying to store those questions and then choose which one is most appropriate and benefit. And then one more thing is that typically when I ask a question, it's a question that most people are thinking about. I don't try and make it like specific to me i'm not asking for a mental question i'm asking a question that i know the whole crowd want to know because it will benefit me but it will benefit everyone else and finally i like to leave it a little bit open so that it can continue a conversation so a few times on the 5am club which just adds on to getting the exposure and getting recognized if they ask, if they say, does anyone have any questions? Yes, I'll ask a question, but I'll ask it in an open-ended way where I'll also be able to reply to their question and then almost have a mini conversation within their presentation. And then that's almost like double the amount of rewards is just asking one question. No, I mean, I love all of that. And I was actually writing a note as you were talking and you touched on it as well, that I was going to say, just as a kind of a piece of advice for people, but you've touched on it as well is, if you're guys, if you're at a public networking event with 50 other people and you put your hand up and you ask a question, do not use that as an opportunity for an ultra specific, very, very, you know, niche question because that's not the time and the place. I think it's better to ask a slightly more broad, generic question that everyone can value from. Because, I, yeah, I get it sometimes. I'll be at events and people ask me a question or on webinars and masterminds. And it's like, the you know, the answer is it depends. Let's have a chat off, off, off of this call. Because, yeah, so I've definitely noticed that. And it's a very, very good piece of advice, I think. Um, and in terms of networking, Leon, so I I have phases. I, I go through my miserable old man phase where I just don't want to go to any event. And then I have my, like, eager phase. I want to go everywhere. And that's, like, month on, month off. Right now I'm being very miserable. So, um, <laughs> I, like, that, mate, there's loads of events. There's loads of property events, loads of non-property events. How would one – because you've been on this journey from starting off, you know, doing nothing to now going to loads – how should one perhaps choose which to go to, which to go to regularly, you know, what to focus on? What are your thoughts? Yeah, 
it's, it is a minefield, do you want to know, Shaz? And I, I'm still dealing with it now, probably like you are. You know, I, sometimes I go to a networking event and I'm like, damn, I really need to stop going to networking events because that was not worth my time. Whereas other ones, I'll go to one and be like, holy shit, that was amazing. I need to get to more networking events. You know, and, and choosing the right one is hard because even the same branded one, such as PIN, for example, might be great one week, but terrible the next month. You know, so it's it's hard to judge that. And even some of the great ones that I've been to, by the third or fourth one, I've not enjoyed it as much. So it's like, it, you're never going to get a networking event that you love going to every time unless you have friends, essentially, what I would say. Like, Shaz, you're essentially becoming my friend through property, through business. Um, it's a different type of friendship, of course. Um, but it's people that you know, people that you um, can, can relate to, people that you can just have a genuine conversation. And that, changes from the stereotypical networking as people know it to more of just a catch up with business people that you know which in reality to me is where you why you go to networking in the first place is to build relationships with people not just have one-off conversations because the one-off conversations are typically pretty garbage i don't know about you shaz but like when you speak to one person and you never speak to the get again like did you get any value from that at all I don't do small talk. I'm very, very to the point in, in a good and bad way. It can come across a little bit ignorant, but I haven't got time to ask you why you're here. We're here for the same reason. Let's skip that question. Um, like, and yeah, I mean, I think two things I would say on, on networking from my perspective is one, once you're starting out, I think it's worth going to a lot of events to figure out what you feel, what the communities are like, where you think you fit in. But I think after a while, and I've made the mistake of not doing this, is you have to perhaps go to events with intent. So, okay, I'm going to BNI because there's these people there and this is how we will benefit each other. Okay, I'm also going to go to PIN because for the last six months I've kept in touch with these people. And this, You have to be intentional with your network and otherwise it's a waste of time and money. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the events, there's, there's bugger all in Wales. There's like loads in Birmingham and London and it's a, it's a massive trek for me. Sit out of the office, yeah. you know, I can't afford that from a time perspective. And the second thing I, I was going to say is, again, it's all through the journey, is I think similar to social media where you start off as a consumer and eventually become a creator, I think that also applies to networking. You start off as someone who's kind of there to just take everything in. After a certain point, you are the person that actually is giving people value and giving people your time. Um, and then it becomes a bit... I wouldn't say a chore, but it becomes a bit of an effort then because you always have to be switched on and be at level 10 all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, mate. You know, I, I, again, I'm still very early in my business career in, in all honesty, but like, for example, the, the recent event I went to uh, up in Birmingham, I, I was I was at a level more than the majority of people there. So I spent a lot of time just advising, you know, and as much as that was a great ego boost, like it, it is no good, you know, unless I was offering mentorship um, services or had a course to sell, I, I didn't really get any personal value, which I'm, I'm not a bad person in that sense. I like to teach people. I genuinely get joy from helping people and sharing. But as you said, as you grow, your time becomes more valuable and not just the time that you spend there, the two hours, the four hours there, but it's the time traveling, it's the time thinking about it, and it's all the other stuff associated with it. And when your hourly wage becomes pretty high or your perceived or your in theory hourly wage where you could be doing other stuff it does question your mindset of like oh wow was that a waste of time you know yeah 
And if oh, I swear, and this is like therapy, Leon. So thanks for having this chat. With me. It's like because <laughs> people always say to me, like, oh, Shaz, I bet you get loads of leads. Do you get loads of leads? Is it with you coming to this event?" And I'm like, "I'm actually as busy as I want to be without going to events. So I'm going to events to actually learn more from other people. So yeah, if I go somewhere and I'm not the one learning anything, sometimes it can feel a bit like oh, maybe I won't come next time." Um, but yeah. Leon, yeah, so I guess for you, you know, you say you're really on your business, you're definitely further on than, than most. What has been the key takeaways from networking? Because you do a lot of it. There's some things people do wrong. And I see it all the time. You see the same people month in, month out, six months down the line, not done any deals or anything. They just want to come feel part of the community. And that's a very, very big mistake, I think. A huge mistake. Yeah. So it's a strange one, Chaz, because very similar to what you've just said, like I don't go to networking events to get clients. It's very rare that we work with people that I meet at networking events. I now go for the business aspect of it and just to learn. You know, I'm 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 just talking to people to build relationships to eventually build my education um, and and build my contact base so that when I need a piece of information, I can give you a ring, for example, or give D a ring or something, someone like that. And unless I put the effort to come and actually see you in person, then an, a social media relationship is really shallow. Uh, you do need to go to some network events to actually get some depth in it and to get to understand your network so like i attribute a lot of what we've done to networking because it's mainly especially in the right rooms you know this is very general because i've been to a lot of networking that's added very little um, value to me but it's mainly getting to know people who are successful and seeing them in real life it's as simple as that it's almost it's that thing of changing your circles and when you go to those networking events you are changing your circles you're seeing what's possible and you see that they're just normal people you know you can see people who are making 10 times the amount of money than you have a conversation they're just a normal guy or girl you know and that gives you an idea of okay you know i'm doing the right things i just need to do um do what they're doing or take their advice and then keep on pursuing it whereas if you don't network you don't know what you don't know you know, you just don't don't yeah. see it uh, and, and don't rely on social media to see it because it's a very, very, very false vision of what's, what the reality is. But if you know the behind stories of people's social media, it's fine because you get it. You know, you understand the process. You understand what's going on. But if you only rely on social media, then it's no good. But the other thing so, uh, networking has done for me is just boost my confidence. I'm not, or I am now, really. I, I, I was about to say I'm not a confident person, but based uh, based on the reality of what I'm be doing, I guess I'd say <laughs> I'm confident now. Um, but it, but I wasn't, so that's what I guess I still identify as being shy and uh, an introvert. But going to lots of networking events and putting yourselves in extremely comfortable positions really helps to become a better person and that will allow you to have better conversations with strangers which if you're a business owner strangers are clients so it just makes you a better salesman communicator and therefore you will be more successful i believe i absolutely agree and the last the last bit for me on networking about, about clients is is i actually do the inverse i think i meet most of my clients after they become clients I'll then be like, oh, there's an event near you. Let's just meet up there. So that's what I do afterwards. Um, and I guess we're quite similarly, and I am still, people don't believe me, I'm quite shy. Um, I'm quite introverted. I'm confident in controlled situations. So if it's like, go speak on stage about mortgages, then yeah, happy day. That's what I do every day. But I remember, I'm not sure if you, were you there at the um, the last 5am club event that was in Birmingham with Marco Pierre? Yes. 
I'm not sure if you remember. I remember this because to me it was like, oh, for God's sake, what I've just totally let myself down is I remember that Aaron Branch was speaking and he kept, I don't know, I didn't, I've never spoken to the guy before that by a little bit on socials and he kept like, giving me little shout outs. And then eventually he was like, come on, guys, who's doing well on social media? Shaz, you do really well. Talk to me about what you do. And I froze because I hate talking about myself. And then I actually yeah. apologized to him afterwards on inbox. He's like, oh, mate, it's nothing, it's fine. So I remember that, you know, I think confidence can be different for everyone in a controlled situation i'm cool but ask me to talk to myself and i'll crumble like, like a piece of paper. but um shaz can i can i quickly yeah, ask you yeah, something because I, I, yeah. i'm just genuinely interested because like i used to associate confidence with arrogance and like in this space you know if you had the confidence to talk about yourself and say yeah i'm, I'm smashing it you know doing, doing really well getting loads of clients from social media would you feel worried that people would would think that you were being arrogant yeah, so this is exactly what I would do. So let's say, I mean, a mutual friend, Tej, saying, Tej bigs me up all the time. I think he's my hype man, right? Yeah. Uh, but if he says something that I'm thinking a bit, oh, he's doing a bit too much, I will straight away default to, like, self-deprecation. I'll make a joke about it and be like, oh, no, it's nothing. It's just this and that. Because to me, I think that you know, tempers a tone a little bit. However, I've, I'm learning more that doing that too often can actually lose you the respect that you've gained because you come across as less credible. So... Yeah, I, I I try not to be too braggy or anything, you know, facts only rather than anything else is my mantra anyway. Nice, I like it. Um, and Leon, you mentioned as part of you know your answer there, which a lot of value actually really in there is um, around social media that I believe, and I think I guess you do as well, that especially in this day and age, you have to be kind of doing doing the trifecta, you know, social media, networking online, networking in person. It's no good doing one or the other, or just, you know, so. What's your approach been on socials? I know you've got the business brand, but there is also Leon, the property engineer, and that's that's grown and grown and grown. Yeah, sure. So we made the business brand because that's what you think you need to do and that's what's important. However, probably like eight months ago, I just stopped really posting on there uh, because I saw a few other people I know who do very similar things. People like Aaron Branch, he doesn't really focus on the social agendas instagram page i don't even know if there is one um it's just personal brand and hearing a lot about the benefits of personal brand i thought okay rather than splitting my attention and time over two platforms or two accounts i'm just going to put everything into one and that's me now there's definitely risks of putting your business on your personal brand but the risks are the benefits as well if you are selling all of your services through your personal brand you're holding yourself massively accountable to everyone watching because if you start making mistakes it's on you not your business as such so that's the negative but then the benefit on the back of that is that because people know that they trust you more because they know that you wouldn't want to risk you know damaging um, your personal brand as such by acting inappropriately or doing bad business so it's a it's a pro and a con it puts you in a risky position but it also allows you to build trust really quickly now very similar to what you've said Chaz you have to do all three because even (laughs) the the best is when you share a picture of you at a networking event on social media you know because it just adds it all together and it makes people um believe that you're everywhere it's the omnipresence right um and it allows you to associate yourself with circles and the way that humans work is that we trust people that trust people you know if, if you trust uh, tej that i'm gonna have a much stronger trust for him than if i just knew him without you involved so i've really tried to position myself around these good people and genuinely tried to provide value no i'm not doing it 
it, like I'm doing it for my own benefit of what I want to be around these people, but then sharing that I'm around these people because it helps my own credibility along the way. So for one, social media is made our business. I don't know how we would have done all the lead gen without it. Like 95, 99% of the deals that we've sold have been through Instagram, which is crazy of course the majority through mail list but the people on the mail list have come through the instagram so that's our lead generation strategy it works very well in honesty i don't know how scalable it is because as we're picking up the number of deals that we're selling a month i need to exponentially grow the following and then the investor list so there may have to be other avenues of that lead gen but for now you know, we've sold over 60 deals. They've all gone through Instagram, which blows my mind because I don't even have a giant following, you know, and imagine if I had 20, 30, 40, 50 K followers, I believe that I'll be able to sell so many more deals and not necessarily the best deals because I've got such a wide range of um, investors on there who are open to various ROIs. Okay. No, I understand. I understand. And just to touch on what you said, Leon, about personal brand, business brand, like I don't think Aaron has this problem from what I know and you know, we we now speak a lot more. I'm feeling that I have this problem is that yeah, I've got a personal brand, people trust me. I'm now taking on other brokers and the whole point is they should be self sufficient to a degree that they generate their own business. However, as it currently is, people are really only only know me. So yep. I can still generate business and say, I'm now gonna pass you on to Leon I'll deal with the rest of your case. And then, you know, people can be a bit like, well, I only want to deal with you, Shaz. So I think there is that risk maybe when you're scaling up, perhaps, that people literally will want you to be there all the way through because they, you're the one that they know, like, and trust. Yeah, interesting. I had a recent conversation about this with someone. I can't remember who it was, but it's almost like you're, you should build your business brand through your personal brand. And then by the time that you get to that point where your clients are no longer talking to you at all, they trust and trust in you so much that they trust your brand because they trust you that you built a decent company that everyone you've hired should be reputable and should be trustworthy. Now, yes, of course, Shaz, our employees are going to make mistakes and it's going to fall back on us. Um, of course, we can point the finger and say, I'm sorry, it was it was John, you know, our new guy. But at the end of the day, if you make a mistake, your business makes a mistake, it's on the director. You know, it's, it's your responsibility, but that's just the risk of uh, business ownership, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just just came to my head actually on just a question. At the stage you're at now, do you think you could ever go back and work for someone else? Yes, I do. I don't know if I could, but I feel like I I feel like I could um until I was in that position and then maybe I would start panicking a bit. Um I think that I love self-employed life for what it brings me right now. It is it's really good, but I'm definitely still humble enough to go back to a career if I need to, um, for whatever reason. However, I I believe that I would fight very hard not to. So to give you an example, it, it kind of nearly happened when we were starting the sourcing business. We set it up. We weren't making cash flow like enough to pay ourselves like we were basically making no money when I went full time. Um, so it was very much, okay, we're going to go for it. If it doesn't work, we'll go back to a job. Um, we were probably three and a half, four months into me being fully self-employed. And me and Libby were probably talking to each other daily about potentially getting part-time jobs, maybe one of us getting a full-time job. And the thought of it was killing me. 
you know, it was killing me enough to make it not happen. And I think that if everything went absolutely tits up, um, then I would probably try and find a way to make money by not getting a job. However, if I if my personal brand was massively damaged, it might force me into it because the personal brand is the thing I would lean on to give me the opportunities to go and do something to make money without what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think, um, you know, would you or would I be able to get this level of income in a job? Probably no chance. But like you say, if circumstances were there, but then... I think, like like you just said at the end there, if you're in a job but still building your personal brand, you're then leaning back into entrepreneurship and being a business owner again, so it's full circle. It's, it's a weird one. I think there is that thing where once you become comfortable to a certain level of income when you're self-employed, you know, you, you're not unemployable because of your mindset. You're unemployable because you've, you're used to a certain amount of money being in and out of, of your bank. Um, That's interesting. Now, Shaz, I, I would just jump in a quick. Yeah. Like, I'm, we're not at that level. Um, because we're not like we're reinvesting heavily and we're keeping the liabilities as low as possible. So I could I've definitely got a lavish go make... lifestyle, mate. I've got <laughs> well, that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> but like if we will obviously increase our lifestyle, but like we're very early on and it's, it would be very risky of us, especially with a volatile business like sourcing you know it's up and down a lot it's very it's very inconsistent in terms of cash flow that it'd be very stupid for us to go and elevate um elevate our lifestyles especially because for the two years of learning about personal development and personal finance the number one thing to do shaz was not increase your lifestyle as you're growing because if you keep your liabilities the same and increase your income that gap will become very very useful for investable funds and that'll if you as long as you can delay the gratification of it for a little bit which is really hard um then you know you'll put yourself in a better position in two or three years time so we're we're battling with that but mainly for me mate is is the time freedom i just love being able to go what i want do what i want and that's i like working you guys see it on my stories you know i i, I graft a lot but i also like to just like i don't know maybe after this call i'll, I'll have a day off and go to the beach you know, i you know i can do what i want and that that type of freedom but not just that like things like spending time with family you know, a lot of a lot of stuff tends to happen in nine in between nine to five. You know, a lot of things can happen in that time. So, for example, last week I went and seen my mum, my granddad, and my dad all on three separate occasions. Where if I was in a job, I wouldn't have been able to see them. You know, so it's like that. That to me is really, really important. Okay, and speaking of time freedom, Leon, on on a day to day basis, um, so I guess my business is different. Most of I tend to get to the office about eight o'clock. I go home at half two and then I'm kind of have my mind on about eight o'clock in the evening. So stuff that's going on. Um, the question really is, yeah. So a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners, even though they work for themselves, they can do what they want. They still mentally, because of an old school kind of mindset, still work nine to five or eight till four because that's expected. Are you doing that or are you quite fluid with whenever the business needs you, you're there? Yeah. I mean, I'm quite fluid, but Libby's more nine five. You know, she's not super strict with it because I pull her away from it a bit more. But it does help me have some structure because, it, and especially now we're back in the UK, we got a good routine. You know, we wake up at the moment it's five a.m., but usually at like six a.m., um, go to the gym and then have a shower, get breakfast. You know, maybe do something um, and then and then start work, which typically tends to be half eight nine. You know, so that like generally that that was how it worked. Um, then at the end of the day, 
for me, the end of the day never happens. I, I, it happens when Libby tells me to. I would say, you know, like she, she's much more. Let me <laughs> let, let me shut off. And I'm not saying she she won't work because she does. You know, she'll work late if we have lots on and we need to get it done. But she prefers to turn off and then be really charged up for the morning. Whereas I'd be happy to work till. 10 p.m 11 p.m if i'm really excited on a project i'm on and then maybe have a lion and wake up later in the day because that i just it's a bit a bit of a weird one for me Chaz, because i'm i'm a night owl i work really well in the evenings and the night times but i really enjoy and get the benefits of waking up early and you can't do both i'm i'm really i believe that you do need a correct amount of sleep and you do need to sleep you know you can fair play to these guys who work on three four hours of sleep i just can't do it so i need you know six seven hours of sleep to actually make it work so it's yeah it's it's a hard one for me because i'm a forced early bird but i work best in the night so i have a bit of a conflict there in my own head (laughs) yeah okay now that is interesting that is interesting now leon you mentioned kind of one of the drivers for you to doing what you're doing now a lot of it is financial um, and this might be the reason, but in terms of your strategy, your chosen strategy, rent to essay and sourcing, why is that something that you chose to go down instead of, you know, all the other strategies that are out there? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it just kind of happened a little bit. It wasn't this grand master plan. Um, it was sourcing was accessible. It was something that was you could get involved with no experience. You didn't really need any money. You know, I think you need two grand, three grand, I'd recommend to start. You could start with no money, to be honest, but you can start with um, a very small amount, whereas most other strategies, you can also start with no money, you know, no money down deals and all that good stuff, but it's a lot more risk because I be- if you're investing substantial funds into a property, I believe that you should be well-educated and to get well-educated takes time and also money, really. Um, I was doing as much self-education as I wanted, but if you wanted to fast track that, then I probably would recommend a course or mentorship and being a uni student, I didn't have the money to, to go down that route. So sourcing was an opportunity to learn on other people's investments essentially especially at the beginning you know and i will say that if you if you're working with a sourcer who's brand new you're their guinea pig you're going to be the one who tests out their knowledge and you're going to be the one that helps them learn how to deal with problems because they've never dealt with them before now the position we're in now is very different because we've dealt with more problems than any other normal investor who would come to us but when i was first starting the investors might have actually known more than me you know so like the sourcing choose sourcing because it's low barrier to entry both education and money and it gives you a great insight to the property world but then the added benefit which i really like is that you become a service provider to property investors, which means that you become valuable to the people that you want the value from. Whereas if you're just another BRR property investor or flip investor, and you're trying to gain value from other flip investors or BRR investors who've done 20, you've got nothing to give because you're just them, but two years two years ago or five years ago. Whereas as a sourcer, I offer a service that can benefit them. So I became, especially in places like PIN, a popular person in those rooms um, to talk to because everyone wants a deal. Everyone wants a deal. And you know, you see people stand up um, on their 22nd pitch and it's like, yeah, I'm looking for deals, looking for deals. So yeah, you in that room, you would stab that because you're like, hey, I've got all these deals. Come see me at the break. So, yeah, I love that. Um, and in terms of the, the essay, so whether it's rent to essay or anything else, 
Uh, I guess misconception wise, a lot of people, there's like a halfway split. A lot of people will say, if you're going to get into rent to SA, be prepared to learn about hospitality. It's the hospitality business. But then on the other hand, I think that depends on scale. If you've got a single terraced house that's just on Airbnb and you've decorated and furnished, apart from the cleaning, which is at the end of the guest, is it hospitality? So kind of what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's definitely lots of levels to it. You know, what we offer is hands off. So like the investors don't need to learn about the day to day. Um, that includes myself, you know, all of our rent essays are hand off, hands off. And although you slowly learn about all these things, especially being a sourcer that we've done a lot, we learn about the problems and, and all of the happenings. We don't have to deal with it. So really, we don't need to know. Whereas if you're going to self-manage, yes, I believe that the hospitality side of it is important. I believe that you should be customer focused or at least have some sort of customer service not experience because you don't need to have experience working in a shop or anything you know customer service is just working with people um, and that's that's just a normal human interaction so yeah if you're self-managing i think it's important to have that hospitality and business mindset because it is a business yeah even if you just have the one you have a little business there and um, there's lots of things you can improve um, systemize outsource and, and bits like that whatever works for you but where I see people making the most amount of money from rent to SA and SA is self-management. You know, they're doing it themselves because you're essentially you're essentially a management company for yourself um, and you, you get both of the profits, you know, which is fantastic. When we sell deals, it's it, this is a very, very vague um, figure, but generally the management company get the same amount of profit as the or the same amount of revenue as the investor gets profit. And they're taking not much risk. So if you become the management company, you get double profits, essentially. Yeah, that's interesting. I I didn't know that. So I've definitely learned something today. And just transitioning so into your kind of digital nomad life, it seemed like for a couple of months, you know, late last year, that Bali became the hotspot for all these SA operators. You know, there was yourself, Adam, Shamiel... (laughs) Tell me more about that. What was the decision to go there? And, you know, is it is it all it's cracked up to be? Yeah. So me and Libby planned to go traveling before we even had the business. So back in 2021, when we were probably even before that, 2020, we had plans to go traveling after we finished uni. So it was always something in our mind. Um, so we saved up for it. You know, we, we built some money for it. And then when we came to graduation, COVID was around and it, made traveling very awkward you could still do it at the time but it was just going to be really awkward so i we we spoke I, we spoke together and we said look do we just kind of wait until covid goes away or do we say in a year's time then we'll go and that's what i wanted to do because i wanted time to do something i didn't want to just have like a oh maybe in the future three months four months because it's very hard mm. to create anything in, in a time where you don't know so i said look let's put a year in let's do some shit in that time that i will actually want to accomplish because by that point i was very keen to do something in property um, and what we did was was buy the flip project and create this business now we got to maybe three months before the original planned leave date which is around august september and the business was doing well and we were like okay we've actually created something here that makes money you know we don't really want to just like turn it off um and and we don't really want to lose the relationships that we built so we started putting in a plan in place of how we're going to do it. We worked with our mentors. Um, they thought we were crazy because it was like two months. And I said to them, we had loads going on. And I said to them, 
like I'm going to put all these systems in place. I'm going to outsource to all the VAs, and they're like, okay, so when are you going to do this? And I said probably about a month before we leave, and they just laughed at me. I said, mate, that's not possible. And I'm like, I'm so glad they laughed because at that point we were like still like three months before, so that gave me time to start implementing, and we really needed that time to build the processes, the systems, and test the systems because it only until you start testing the processes do you find out that it doesn't work. Uh, so that's how we kind of came to it then we awesomely adam and shamil just happened to be out uh, in bali at a similar time that we were traveling and i just thought oh that's brilliant let's uh, let's take that opportunity and let's try and meet up, meet up with them and i, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen to be honest but we made it work um and and yeah we you know we traveled eight countries out there but bali bali was good i mean if you're a digital nomad bali was probably one of the best places that we went to for it it, it very much caters to the demands of a digital nomad there's there's cooler places and there's cheaper places um but bali was great for digital nomads for sure so it, it worked really well for us and in in that time was the business still running because you had automated systems and stuff so it was just plain sailing or any issues that you think next time around we can do this differently so the word automation makes it sound like it's just a robot doing work for you right you know it's, <laughs> it's not gonna be yeah. like that we don't run a factory you know we run a people business and you can't automate a people's business to to a massive degree so we actually uh, had our va set up with all our systems loads of help to guides you know everything needed to work and like a month into our trip she was like i can't do this anymore um i've got other commitments so we had to she could still work with us but she couldn't do what we needed her to do anymore so she needed to do something that didn't require her to be reactive essentially um she needed to just have like hours on the side where she would do the lead generation which eventually we put her on to so we had to change her role which meant we had to pick up all of the admin that we planned to outsource and automate which is a bit of a pain and a bit of annoyance but lesson learned we should have found out about her um other other commitments before we uh, asked her to do that but nonetheless nonetheless um i make it sound simple it wasn't that simple but nonetheless we we did the work but it wasn't much work it was two hours a day on average uh, I, i've been saying some days we do five i mean one day we might do like eight and then we might not do any work for like um two days three days so it's like it, it usually averaged out to about an hour or two hours um which just required us to send messages send emails and you we could do that when you know we'd go out for dinner and we'd just like oh let's just send some emails which in all honesty Chaz, you know it does affect your traveling experience because you're not this like hippie guy who's completely free and roaming <laughs> around with, with not a care in the world um I did care, you know, I cared a lot about what was going on in the business. I care a lot about customer service. So I didn't want to leave people waiting long, I wanted to make sure it, um, it all ticked. But we stopped, we essentially stopped our outbound lead generation and just continued the inbound leads. So that's landlords and agents that we already worked with who were bringing us deals. So we said, look, we'll stop the outbound and just deal with whatever comes in. And that was going to, it was always going to be a bit of a gamble of how much was going to come. And we ended up, getting a lot more than we anticipated which congratulations you know that's great because we were making more money than anticipated but then we were doing more work than we thought we would too because of that setup however the amount of work we needed to do to get the money was definitely worth our time especially because they were inbound leads they're already pre-qualified you know it's quite easy to turn that into money so that's that's what we did and then the yeah i mean the 
each month was a very much like I don't we don't know if any deals are going to come because we're not even trying you know we have no pipeline it just comes or doesn't come with us so it was always a bit strange like that um and it just it worked out nicely uh I think around about the end of December we were spent we pretty much spent all of our savings and we were starting to use the business money to cash flow um traveling then as well as supplementing it before but this like it was getting to the point where like okay we we need to use all the business money to fund our traveling so we're like okay let's put in an extra hour a day or less actually start doing a little bit of lead gen um, and that paid off really nicely the last two months of traveling we were hitting the targets that we were hitting before we left so like it was it was real nice um and then coming back it's it's been easy to transition back into uk business being here because nothing's really changed if anything we've grown during that period yeah yeah and and, and now you know what you're capable of and how you know i guess there's proof of concept if you want to go again you know it, it can be done yes speaking of being remote and kind of digital digital nomad even in this country leon social media tells me you're in starbucks bloody all the time so um what I was going to say is, is what what's the acceptable amount of time to be in Starbucks and how many drinks do you order to stay there that long? So the Starbucks that I go to, the most popular one that I attend is on an industrial estate, which isn't that close to a motorway that isn't accessible by foot. So it's pretty <laughs> quiet. Um, it, it only really has business people and meetings. You know, that's the type of clientele. It's not friends <laughs> coming in for a, for a chat. So, First of all, I'm at a good position because they're expecting people like me. Second of all, there's always seats available, like always. So it's never like I'm taking up seats. Um, and third of all, they have such high turnover of staff that I don't feel like there's a manager in there. And even if someone did care, I don't think they would come <laughs> and tell me to leave anyway. So the the answer is I could I could I've been in there before with my own water bottle and sat down for like four hours, forgot to buy a coffee, and then left. So I went in there, worked, and didn't even yeah. buy a drink. So like you can you can go in there um, with this particular Starbucks and be like that. Um, but yeah, I, I just get the drinks that I want. You know, I don't have to feel obliged. Whereas if I go to an independent coffee shop or somewhere busy in, in the city centre, yeah, I feel like a dick sat in there for more than two hours um, and it's loud and stuff like that. So it's just not, it's not possible. I mean, the Wi-Fi in that Starbucks is better than at home sometimes. So it's, it is a win-win situation <laughs> for me. <laughs> It's, it's, it's an office away from an office. I mean, can we just agree, by the way, just I'll put it on record that I think Costa Coffee is the worst. Coffee, Costa should be banned. Um, I, but, no comment. <laughs> uh, Leon, I was, uh, and the other thing, Leon, I'm not saying this because it's your name. I think I've mentioned to you in private before. You should go to Leon as a coffee shop. Their coffee is pretty spot on. I think it's on par better than Starbucks. Shaz, any Leons in Wales, though? Nah, there's only they have some in in like service stations and petrol stations, but not actual stores in in, in Wales. When I when I go to London and Birmingham, I go and attend the Leons. Don't you worry. <laughs> and then I'll, I want a full review. Um, your your podcast, Leon, is it still? Are you still recording? Because again, that had a very unique concept at the time. Um, short snippets, bang, 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 lots of value in in that short time. You still doing them? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'd like to say, yes, I'm still doing them, but in reality, I'm not actually recording any. Like, it's definitely not a dead podcast, and I definitely want to continue doing it. But just straight from the amount of things that we're trying to do right now, we really have to stick and prioritize to 
what's going to get us to our goals faster. And the podcast really helps. Like I get a lot of business from there. I gain a lot of trust. You know, it's another touch point. I get to speak to people like you and build relationships with others, which is it's like a plethora of all these amazing benefits, but it does not make me money and it does not buy me assets in, in the very short term. And because we have the sourcing business that we've built it, that if we put more time in and if we put more money into the sourcing business, it will create more then it's just it's hard to choose to do other things right now because i know that that'll take us to our goals way faster than the podcast will so sadly not but sorry Chaz. um i want to continue it because of (laughs) i want to continue it (laughs) because i love i i love the concept of it i love the 15 minutes um it, it it's great for guests. I think I feel like it's great for the audience. I don't actually listen to too many podcasts anymore. I don't know if I feel like I'm too busy um, or I just don't enjoy them as much. But I went through a stage of listening to hundreds of hours, probably thousands of hours of podcasts. And one of the things that used to frustrate me was I'd listen to an hour podcast and get one or two bits of value. And, you know, it's a good conversation. But I'm not there for the conversation. I'm there to learn. And I felt like, okay, if I can turn my podcast into more of a quick snippet educational uh, platform to get to let people teach and to allow the listeners um, to get to know the guests on a way faster level, then that that will really suit the market. Yeah, and I think in terms of getting guests as well, a 15-minute conversation is a lot of is a, is a much easier sell and ask than an hour long, you know, podcast. Exactly. So, I would say when you can, you know, definitely get back on it, man. You, you know, it's, it's a good concept for sure. Um, Leon, as we are just winding up now, because I'm trying to keep these around an hour, and we've covered a lot as well. Actually, is um, do you have your phone to hand? By the way, have you got your phone there? I do. Yeah, it's it's here. Okay, I don't I don't want to see it. You'd have to show me. But what's on your Instagram Explore page? Because the algorithm knows you more than you know yourself. Explore and search. Um, hmm. I mean, I can show you, but the screen won't show it. I've got two property people there: scuba diving, jet ski, a Lamborghini, some 10x advert, <laughs> Formula One uh, DIY <laughs> hack, <laughs> um, lots of surfing, more scuba diving, Sa- some skiing. That <laughs> Sa- sounds about right. Sounds about right. I've got. I mean, well, do, do you agree with that? Is that, is that some things that are on your mind? hundred percent, man. There's a bit of AI in there. Like it, it is, this is me sadly. And that's why Instagram sucks my time out. Cause it knows exactly what I want to see. <laughs> Same here. I've got, I've got on mine. I've got, well, I bought a new camera. So a lot of the content is this new camera that I've bought. I've got nice. a random video of Hasbulla. I don't know why I'm not searching for Hasbulla, but he's on there. Um, and then there is a property video from, Platinum property team I don't even follow. So yeah, random stuff, but it is all relevant. I'm going to keep doing this on every episode. I think this shows people where their minds are. Um, Leon, a very Drakish, a very, a very Drakish kind of question for you. When was the last time that you did something for the first time? You have to give me a second to think about this. Uh, Oh man. I, I mean, so many things traveling so i don't know if that's like a cheat code uh because like i mean every, every bus and boat i got on was the first time every bit new bit of sea um that i traveled across was was new but i, I mean shaz my life is changing 
fast often we're doing different things all the time the business is growing it's putting me in different situations so like i'm doing new stuff on the micro level all every day you know speaking to different people dealing with different challenges um going through different experiences so yeah uh, very frequently my life is is always throwing new things at me love that love that and before i let you go my friend um three things how can people connect with you what do you need help with and how can you help them? People can best connect with me on Instagram at the property engineer with an underscore at the end. What can people help me with? I mean, I'm actually looking for a business mentor at the moment, not necessarily property that would help, but I am looking for a mentor and hopefully I don't just get loads of coaches out there trying to get me. Um, but I'm ideally looking for a mentor who's not necessarily a Instagram coach. I want a real business mentor who can actually help um, on the side and we can build a strong relationship together because there's definitely something missing from where we are at right now. We're really trying to grow and there's a lot of problems that we're facing that although we're overcoming them i just know there's better ways of doing it and i know that we're leaving money on the table and i know that we're wasting our time because i'm not i'm not the perfect person i've only just started doing this um realistically so a business mentor would massively help if anyone could recommend shout what was the last one and and how can you help people i know we've covered it off already if they don't know by now <laughs> yeah sure how can i help people so it's very much what we've talked about today i'm a rent to sa sourcer so it, first be it i can help you find rent to sa investments i can help give you advice on that um i can also help you with networking if you want to reach out and you know if you if you're a newbie and just want some advice i mean i've done a, a flip project diy and so i have basic knowledge on the refer but i don't think i, I could give myself the advisor um, title with that yet uh, but yeah and then if you're interested in the digital remote working and you have any questions that you just can't answer on google because we certainly did just drop me a message and um, i can i can let you know how it went and um, what best tips i'd recommend fabulous uh leon thank you so much for your time and i'm sure am i going to see you at well d's event again in, in birmingham right yeah 100 percent. yeah that's quite a while away though i reckon i'll bump into you before that well, I'm trying to not go to any events forever, but we'll see. Same, <laughs> we'll see guys. how that pans Same. out. <laughs> <laughs> what we can do is try. Uh, nice one, Leon. Thank you. Thank you, Sash. So what did you think of that? Please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, of course, and also connect with me on socials at Where's Shaz. Until next time, be humble, be grateful, be peaceful.